Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spees, the Director of Advancement here at Dallas Christian College, and we want to thank you for joining us as we continue in our series, Serve Like the King. The goal of the DCC Leadership Podcast is to focus on current topics and events that are influencing our society, the world of education, and the local church. Joining us for today's episode is a member of the DCC Bible faculty, Dr. David White. Dr. White's been a regular guest for our podcast series, and he's going to be sharing his insights from 1 Samuel chapters 9 and 10. And helping to guide that discussion is the head of DCC's Practical Ministries Department, Dr. Eddie Sanders. So, Dr. Sanders, I'm going to turn it over to you for this episode of Serve Like the King. Thanks. Yes. What makes a leader? That's the question. That really is the question. And, um, you know, as we look at what we've been going through in the series so far, and as I've been listening to it over the last five weeks, I didn't want to say thanks for putting it together, first of all, because I think it's a very important topic when it gets to leadership, very timely in our world today. And, you know, the the episode that, uh, the last episode, Dr. Halen, whenever he opens the Old Testament, I mean, yeah, he, he's got me. He, I, there's always something I can learn. But today I want to take a step backwards um, and hopefully, I think, answer a, a fundamental question. And that is, what, what does make a leader? You know, in Christian circles, we talk about leadership. And whenever we talk about leadership in the church, it's always servant leadership. We, we always come to servant leadership. Uh, and this, the problem is with that, I, I think that's where we stop when it comes to leadership. We say, okay, a good leader is a servant leader, and that's it. And, you know, you've got the 10-second podcast and you're done. But I think a good leader is a servant leader, period, gives us an incomplete picture of what makes a leader. Um, let me explain it this way. Um, in the world of leadership studies, it was a guy named Greenleaf about 50 years ago who penned the phrase servant leader, uh, the servant leadership mentality. And uh, this, the idea of servant really caught on with the church. And it was like the church heard this term and said, ooh, 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 that's what we're in. That's what we're all about. And the, the problem is when Greenleaf pointed this out, the, the idea of the leader first and foremost being a servant uh, being his mission, his calling, he didn't illustrate it through Scripture. He illustrated it through Herman Hesse's 1956 novel, The Journey to the East. And he was talking about the, the selfless care for others that makes a leader. And it was very, it was more Eastern kind of mysticism than it was Christianity. Um, so we bring, you know, we bring it into the church, though, and we say, okay, this is who we want to be. And remember, and I say that as not only a member of the Bible faculty, but also a leader and a minister in a local church, we get the idea that the church is a perfect place, and it's not quite perfect here on earth. So the idea of servant leadership in some ways has been corrupted because we have gone from the idea of serving Jesus to how can my needs be met by the local church? So the local church leader is the one meeting the needs of the members of the church. Mm-hmm. So people, we go to church and, and you know, we, we don't become servants. We don't become leaders. We become consumers. The idea of we're going to shop for a church 
that's going to meet my needs. That that is a revolutionary thought. I, I did not know that background. That is very interesting, and you just kind of flipped a paradigm for me. Tell me more. <laughs> well, <laughs> let, let's think about uh, other leadership methodologies then. Okay, if if we can't say servant leadership, period, what can we say? Um, you know, Jesus' example of leadership style and uh, bring some of those other ideas in. For example, uh, transformational leadership. Uh, the leader seeks to transform a transformation in the followers, a change, if you will. Well, Jesus did that. Then there's the authentic leadership style, which is the the new big buzzword in, in leadership studies. Everything's got to be authentic. You know, we use the term today. We've got to be real. And but no one can say that Jesus was an authentic was not an authentic leader because he was. So basically, I, I, as I look at this, I don't think we can oversimplify the leadership style of Jesus and just give him one category because there's a lot of different attributes that direct leadership and should direct leadership in, in the church today. So what's that have to do with 1 Samuel 9 and 10? Well, 1 Samuel 9 and 10 gives us an incredible portrait of the first imperfect Messiah. You know, the kings were the ones that were going to lead the people, and, and basically they're, they're all imperfect messiahs, these kings. I guess you could say the people got what they asked for. Um, so we're introduced to Saul, and the physical description of Saul is amazing. I had a, a, a friend, a guy named Sean Maloney, who, who used to talk about people that he admired, and he had this phrase. He said, all the men wanted to be him and the ladies wanted to be with him. That is Saul. He had the look of a leader. He was strong. He was tall. He was handsome. He was a leader from the world's perspective. Now, before we get get into it too much, we have to acknowledge, I think, that times haven't changed a whole lot. There are still physical characteristics that we like in leaders. For example, in political leaders, most of our political leaders are over six feet tall. Most of them are handsome. I was thinking about this and, and thought about a, a two historical elements that, that come to be. First of all was Kennedy versus Nixon in the 1960 presidential election. I'll get this back to First Samuel, I promise. But Kennedy goes on TV, TV debate. He wore makeup. He was tall. He was young. He was attractive. And then there was Nixon, who looked like he needed to shave. Who won? Well, historians go back and say it was at that point Nixon lost the election. Well, that was, you know, 60 years ago. That doesn't affect us today. Well, think about the uh, 19 or 2016 election, Trump versus Clinton. Historians have pointed to the, the time when they believe that Trump beat Clinton, when the election was over. And it was on the debate stage when Hillary was answering a question and Trump wandered behind her and was head and shoulders above her. He looked like a leader. Pardon the expression, but someone we can look up to. Well, 
the taller, more attractive leader is the one we still pick today. And Saul, well, he fits, he fits it, doesn't he? Uh, he was what the people were looking for in a king. They wanted to be like everybody else. Um, the world judges people fit for leadership, and that's who they got. Um, you know, we live a, in a world of social influencers. I love this. The fact that people on Instagram and TikTok and in Hollywood tell us what our opinions are. Um, but to put it this way, if Saul lived today, I think he'd be a TikTok star. I think he'd have a million followers because he looks the part. But there is a verse tucked away in chapter 10 that says everything about leadership. Let me set the stage a little bit. Samuel had given Saul this, this list of things that were going to happen to verify that Saul was the one anointed to be king. Yeah, And overall, they're not big things. They're not ground-shaking things. But they're things that when Saul saw them happen, he's going to go, huh, maybe the prophet's right. So all this goes, goes through, and, and they all come true, and Saul begins to understand that I'm going to be the king. But 1 Samuel 10, verse 9, just the first part says this. When he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. And I think that's the key. You see, it's, it's when, it's right after that, that Saul meets a, a group of prophets and himself begins to prophesy uh, with the prophets. And, and people begin to realize that God was with Saul. It says, in fact, that the Spirit of God rushed upon him. And later, when Saul abandons God and God's direction, it will say the Spirit of God will leave him. So it seems to be about the heart. That is very helpful. In a, that verse is pretty powerful. Tell us more about the heart aspect. Well, I know it's not in 9 and 10 of 1 Samuel, but go forward and think about King David. How's he described? A man after God's own heart. So let me, let's get back to that foundational question, though. What makes a good leader? Well, it seems to be the heart. Later on in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, do not, look upon, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him, speaking of Saul. For the Lord sees not as man sees. The man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, I think to, to really serve like the king, it really calls us to look at Jesus' leadership style and, and how Jesus was a leader. You know, was Jesus a servant leader? Yeah, he most definitely was. Was he an authentic leader? Well, yes. Was Jesus a transformational leader? Was he looking for a change and a transformation in his followers? Absolutely, yes. But this is where sometimes I think we overlook the heart. Because when you think about it, Jesus did not come 
to serve. He served, but that wasn't his mission. Jesus' mission wasn't to be a servant leader. Or Jesus' mission wasn't to show us the Father as an authentic leader. But Jesus himself said his mission. He said, I have come to seek and save the lost. That was his mission. Jesus came to save us and to offer his life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus came to transform us, to change our hearts toward God. And he still does that today. So I guess if, you know, we look at Saul and and that God looks at the heart and we see Jesus' heart, then we come forward many generations to where we sit today. You know, if you really want to serve like the king, then I think we need to look at the heart. Simple questions like, do you have a heart for the lost? And I think the big question we need to ask ourselves is, are you a person after God's own heart? You know, you mentioned a lot of leadership buzzwords. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, leadership literature seems to have a new buzz phrase for sure every decade. Oh, most definitely. And, and way more than that. But every decade, one sticks. And what I've appreciated about what you're sharing here is you're, you're pushing us back in time to Israel's first king and something necessary that we overlook Expand for me, if you would, what do you mean by heart? Well, first of all, it's not the thing that pumps inside your chest. Yes. Th- okay. Th- thanks. That's yes. A, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're tracking with we're you We're tracking there. with me there. <laughs> the heart, I think, many times is, you know, in, in the ancient world is seen as the, the seat of the emotion. Um, I had a, a professor in undergraduate who talked about, you know, the seat of the emotion is, is more the, the lower stomach. And, we've, you know, that's where the heart was in the ancient man. And he, he made the comment. He said, wouldn't that be just a lovely Valentine's Day card? I love you with all my bowels. You know, it's so, you know, heart sounds better. But it, it's the seat, the, the heart of... So when I refer to heart, it's, it's not just the emotion, but it's the whole person. It's what makes what made Jesus Jesus. What makes God God? It's who He is. And a man after God's own heart, or a woman after God's own heart, is someone who has that characteristic. Um, you know that that the idea of the 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 Hebrew word Chesed comes to mind. That you know we translate it loving kindness, and it's a word we can't translate really. But it's it's just that that who God is, and that's what I when I speak of what makes a leader, it's to to look at the heart. It's is that person a a, a man after a man or woman after God? Yeah, that's that's helpful, and that really pushes it to a deeper level. Why why do we so easily and so often say, oh, okay, okay, I, th- that's fine, I hear you, 
but but give me give me the next skill like what's what's the skill that's working out there say social media what, what what's the skill with leadership that I can do what, why do we skip over this foundational component because as an authentic leader is real because because I think it is really it's one of those things that it's it's not something I can fake it's not something yeah. I can put out there and say ooh look what I can do it's not even a skill we can learn. It's who we are. It's a character trait. It's a character trait. Yeah. You know, it gets back to that, that phrase that God told Moses back in the desert, be holy because I am holy. Yeah. It, it's that sense of being not a God, but being like God. We, you know, we equate it to the, the process of sanctification. You were ta- As you were talking, I wrote down a couple of passages of Scripture, and they were on my mind because we used them last week in a, a worship workshop we were doing up in Amarillo and I one of my favorite phrases on worship is Isaiah 29:13 which is these people come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me and it's that idea again we we can fake I mean, and, and I was sharing with the folks in Amarillo I said you know we we can think we are doing good thing i mean we are bringing offerings we're lifting our hands we're singing praises and yet there's still an element that if our heart isn't right god doesn't look with favor on that offering or he doesn't look with favor on that that praise and and then it's no accident i think when jesus is asked what's the greatest commandment the love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and then then horizontally love your neighbor and so i think that you're right that's where this this inner transformation this godly leadership begins is with the right heart attitude mm-hmm. and not just techniques that we learn from a book i guess yes very helpful and, and and that's what makes this similar to christianity in general you know christianity is not just a list of do's and don'ts i, I know it's reduced to that so often yeah. and i think leadership is reduced to that Here, yeah. here's the latest Here's the latest trend, and, and, and often shallow, too, by the way, in, in my opinion. Uh, but this pushes us back to looking ourselves in the mirror, dealing with who we are and who God is. That's hard. That's hard. And right here in that story, that, that verse that you said was tucked away, that is, that is striking, and that probably needs to be our consistent prayer Daily? Yeah. I think that would Hourly? be Hourly? <laughs> God changed my heart. Changed my heart. Yeah. Exactly. Great stuff. Thank you, David, for sharing. You're Thank welcome. you, Eddie, for uh, facilitating. We're going to continue in a couple of weeks. I think Dr. Halen uh, will be our guest again as we move to 1 Samuel chapter 12. But uh, we uh, appreciate you joining us for this episode of the DCC Leadership Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Dallas Christian College and who we are, you can go to our website at www.dallas.edu. We are committed to changing the world for Christ one student at a time with an education that is accessible, affordable, and attainable. And our goal, and we actually prayed about this in a chapel service today, is that our students' hearts would be changed they would become more like Christ. We pray that's the lesson you received from today's episode. Take care, stay safe, and uh, have a great day.